This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Hey, uh, today we're continuing in our series in First Peter, this series that we're calling Aliens, because Peter, when he, uh, a few different times in this book, refers to these folks that he's writing to as aliens or strangers. He's saying, you're living in a place and your, your residency is there, but it's not your true home. You're citizens of another kingdom and you are under another king. And, and so last week uh, we looked at this passage that was talking where Peter's saying, hey, by the way you live your lives, live your lives in such a way that people that, that may not even believe in Jesus, may be absolutely opposed to the gospel message, might see the way you're living and at least slow down and wonder if maybe there is something to this whole Jesus thing. And so over the next parts of First Peter, he's gonna give us some specific areas of our life, some specific relationships where we have the opportunity to show ourselves very different from everyone around us. If you have your Bibles, go over to First Peter chapter two. Wow, that was a little extra something there. I've, uh, now over the years of, of preaching, I've learned that there's certain topics that people tend to tense up about Sex, for sure, you do a little sex talk. People, some people tense up. You can kind of see who's kind of more conservative that way. You talk about money. All the stingy people, they tense up, you know. And, and then I learned this morning that you talk about politics and the government. And those same people tense up. And I just want you to know that the upside and downside to preaching through a book of the Bible is you find yourself talking about stuff that you were never really wanting to talk about. And so when I realized, that, oh, this is where we are gonna be next, I was like, do we just skip over this? Because it's such a weird time to talk about politics and the government, but instead we're just gonna steer into the weird, all right? So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. So submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as to the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free, as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now listen, it's, a, there's, it's been a long time, if ever, that our country has been so polarized over issues related to the government and politics. There's been an increasing measure of distrust towards government institutions and political parties and all of that over the last decades. I think there's lots of reasons for that. I think part of it, some people are just fed up with high taxes. You know, there was a, a politician who was walking down the street and there was a mugger that approached him and the mugger said, hey, give me all your money. And the guy, the, the guy that was being attacked said, don't you know who I am? I'm a very powerful government official. And then the mugger said, and if, it's, if that's the case, then give me all my, all my money. <laughs> Thing is, it's the high taxes can make it tricky. I, I think sometimes we have this feeling that the government's just constantly lying to us. And I, I heard a story, there was a, a, a politician visited a very small, remote town and he's talking to the leaders of the town, and he said, hey, is there anything the government can do for you? And then the mayor of the town said, hey, we've got two very big issues. 
He says the, the first one is we have a hospital, but we have no doctor. The politician said, hey, I'm gonna take care of that right now. He gets on his cell phone, is on the call for a few minutes, and then comes back and says, hey, I wanna let you know there's gonna be a doctor here next week. What's your second big issue that your town is dealing with? And the mayor said, we have absolutely zero cell phone service. The politician had been on. Some of y'all aren't smart enough to get my jokes. And so, uh, in fact, uh, it's, the distrust is so high that conspiracy theories are rampant. Uh, there was a guy who was talking to me and, and said, my wife thinks that my obsession with conspiracy theories is getting out of control. And then he said, but I'm pretty sure the government paid her to say that. It's, uh, but seriously, it's, it's a complex time in our relationship with the government and politics. And, but what Peter's saying to these people here, in a time where, where their government makes our government look perfect, where their government, where Peter, the guy writing this, would ultimately be put to death by the power of the government. So many of, of, of the apostles would end up, and, and these folks end up experiencing persecution like we can't imagine from the government. What, Paul, what Peter is saying here is he's saying, your relationship with the government and with politics is going to be so different that people will see the way you're doing it and they'll at least slow down and wonder, is there something to this whole Jesus thing? So here, let me give you a few quick things. Here's the first thing. We don't have to like our government, but we do need to submit to it. So here's the fact. Based on recent history, and here's how I think it's gonna keep going, I think that we're all gonna have plenty of opportunities not to like our government. If you liked the government a few years ago, you probably don't like it now. If you like it now, you probably didn't like it a few years ago. If you like it now, you probably won't like it in a couple of years. Some of us would say, hey, I've not been thrilled with the government in decades. So you don't have to like the government. These Christians found themselves on the wrong side of the government many times. But Peter says that, that you do need to submit to it. That word submit, it's from this Greek word, hupotasso. It's a military expression. Literally, it means to arrange and formation under the commander according to rank. It speaks of obedience. And he, so what he's saying is, is you, don't, you don't have to like the government, but, but, you, but if you're gonna live the way of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we're gonna respond differently. We're going to, to submit even when we don't like it. So here's the thing. There's two reasons that we're terrible at this. One is because we're people. All of us kind of have this rebellious thing inside of us, but, but we find ourselves doubly in this camp because we're Americans. Americans. Uh, we're hardwired to be rebellious. From the very beginning, we've been rebellious. There's something inside of us that says, no one's gonna tell me what to do. I had friends during the pandemic in Europe who would share with me how, how they were, um, there were these checkpoints where you couldn't go more than a mile or two from your house. And I thought, if they tried that here, that wouldn't work. We're Americans. We are hardwired towards rebellion. It's super, super hard for us. But what Peter says is he says, hey, you're gonna be different. You don't have to like the government, but you do need to submit to it. Here's the second truth. We don't have to agree with our government, but we do need to honor it. Here's what he says. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. 
The Greek word tamao literally means to place a price on, to value, to esteem, to honor, to regard, or respect. He says, you don't have to agree with everything the government does. In fact, you're probably not going to. But there should be an attitude of honor, an attitude of respect, an attitude of value and esteem. And this is very hard for us because we live in a culture of dishonor. And we live in a time where on, on every side of the political spectrum, it's the, the, the rancor just seems to be getting more extreme and more harsh and more personal and more divisive. And what Peter says is he says, hey, listen, that emperor, he's a wicked man. And that emperor's doing things that, that, that's harming Christians and will do even more things. He says, but, but you're to not respond like everybody else in the natural would respond. You're to respond with honor. You're to respond with respect. He says, you're to, so, supposed to be different. We see this in Titus chapter three, verse one. This is Paul is, is telling this young pastor, Titus. He says, remind the people to be subject, to live in submission, to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, get this, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. Listen, some of you would say, well, I didn't vote for Biden. Well, it really doesn't matter. And some of you would say, well, well, I didn't vote for, for President Trump, so I didn't, I didn't honor him, and I didn't vote, or you say, I didn't vote for Biden, I don't need to honor him. It's really not a matter of did you vote for them, and, or do you agree with them? What Peter says is that as people living in the way of Jesus, the way you're going to respond to government and politics is gonna be unique, and, and that you're gonna submit even when you don't like them. You're, you're gonna be honorable and respectful even if they're not being honorable and respectful. You're going to be that way. It's a different way of living. For, for some of you, though the way you've talked about President Biden has been sinful. Others of you, the way you talked about President Trump was sinful. I have probably said sinful things about both of them. But Peter says, hey, that's, that's not the way of Jesus. You're, you're, to be, you're to honor those in authority. Here's the third thing. In politics, as in every relationship, we have higher motivations. Here's how Peter says it. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So he doesn't say, hey, live in submission and, and honor because they're so great or because they're so smart or because their decisions are, are all so right. He says, the reason that you're going to, to obey and be respectful and honorable, it's not because of them. It's because of your relationship with God. He says, submit to every human authority at, for the Lord's sake. He's saying, you're gonna be this, you're gonna be this way. It's gonna be different. You're doing it for God. You're doing it to God, and you're doing it because of God. You're, he says, what you're really doing is you're submitting to God. Here's the truth. If you get nothing else, get this. When I have truly submitted my life to God, when I've given God the steering wheel of my life, when I've given God the, the pink slip of my life, the deed and title of my life, when I've really submitted myself to God, it becomes so much easier to transfer that submission to those that God has told me to submit to. See, when, I, when I've really submitted my life to God, it's not that difficult to submit to those that he tells me to submit to, but the converse is true as well. 
when I'm not really living in submission to God, it will be very, very difficult to submit to anyone. So like if you're, and listen, there's this hardwired in us as, as, as people with a sin nature, hardwired into us as Americans, where no one's gonna tell us what to do. And when I have that spirit as the prevailing spirit in my life, what it is a sign that I've not really fully, completely submitted myself to God. So he says, you, you, we have a different motivation for living this way. It's, it's because of God. It, it's because it's God's will. Here's what he says. He says, for it's God's will that by doing this, by living in submission, even when you don't like him and, and honoring, even when you don't agree, he says, it's God's will that by doing this, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. See, there were actually people in this time that thought the Christians were gonna, over, they, they were gonna overthrow the Roman Empire, that they thought that was kind of the whole thing. There's this foolish talk. And he says, hey, live so radically differently that people who are predisposed to think poorly about Jesus and about Christians, he says, the way you relate to politics and the government, it's gonna be so different that they slow down and say, maybe there is something to this whole Jesus thing. He says, and it says, and doing this is God's will. See, have you ever known, there, there's people, specific ages, it seems that happen a lot as a teenager or a college kid, young adult, but people do it in all the areas of their life and all different phases, can get very obsessed with what is God's will for me? Is it God's will that I have this job or that job, buy this house or that house, marry this person or that person? I believe that God can lead in all of these areas. But there's a handful of times in the Bible, it just, and it's really not very many, where it just says, hey, you wanna know what God's will is? This is it. This is God's will. One time he says it is it says it's God's will that, that you be grateful. Another time the Bible says it is it's God's will that you be generous. Another time it tells us God's will just very clearly to avoid sexual immorality. This is one of those handful of times. He says it's God's will that you relate to the government and politics differently than others. That there's this attitude of submission and honor. There's this obedience and there's this respect. And he says this is God's will that people would slow down and say maybe there is something to this whole Jesus thing. So we have this higher motivation. It's not based on how great the government is. Not based on who we voted for or how much we agree with them or how smart we think they are or aren't. He says it's this higher motivation. We're doing it as unto the Lord. We're doing it because it's God's will. We're doing it for this gospel witness, this fact that people see the way we're living our lives relating to politics and the government and they slow down and think about Jesus. Here's the next point. A couple of people told me this was their favorite point. There are moments for civil disobedience. That's always the most popular. And some people just see it as, well, pretty much every moment is a moment for that. There are moments for that and it's rare it's when the law of man goes clearly and directly. Not like I stretched or I think or maybe this gray area and let's just decide this is one of them and it's that whole speeding thing and I'm on a, I'm on a, it's an unjust law and I need to live in civil disobedience to, as an act, it's an act of oppression that I can't drive 90 and it's, it's a tough deal. It's a, but the case is when the law of man goes clearly against the law of God. We see a handful of times of this in the scripture. We see an, an ancient, uh, with the children of Israel, when they're under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, and Pharaoh had ordered that all the babies be killed. There were these midwives who, who at an act of civil disobedience, they said, we're not going to obey this law. We're not gonna kill these babies. 
He said that they, they knew that clearly went against the, the law of God. So they said, we're not going to obey this. It's, it's absolutely wrong. We see it with Daniel where he was told not to pray to the one true God. And he said, well, I'm gonna pray. And then he ends up in the lion's den. We see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told to bow down to this image of the king and worship it. And they said, we're not gonna do it. They end up in this fiery furnace that God delivers them from. We see it in the early church. Let me show you Acts chapter five. Did you know this? Baptism in the early church was an act of civil disobedience. That when, 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 pe when people were baptized and as a part of that baptismal confession, they would get in that water and they would say, Jesus is Lord. And in doing so, it was a capital offense of treason because they were only allowed to say that Caesar is Lord and every citizen of, of, of the empire would have to make that declaration annually and they would say, no, I'm not gonna do it. Jesus is Lord. It was an act of civil disobedience. Some of you are gonna get baptized next week and in doing so, it's this bold statement of, of, of I'm fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I'd encourage you to do it if you hadn't done it yet. Let me show you this, Acts 5, 27. It says, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin, this government authority, to be questioned by the high priest. We give, gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He says, we told you not to preach about Jesus. He said, yet you filled, with, filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. He says, you keep teaching everybody about Jesus and you're making us look bad like we killed him because you killed him. And uh, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God. This is the principle. We must obey God rather than human beings. This is the principle of civil disobedience and it's, and it's not to be overused, it's to be rare. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. By the way, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. They were like, hey, stop telling people we killed that guy. And Peter's like, you killed that guy. His speech persuaded them. This is skipping ahead. He says, they had called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They said, hey, for real, stop talking about Jesus. We're gonna beat you up again. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Get this, rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So they were given an instruction which went against the law of God. They said, we're gonna obey God rather than man. They experienced harsh treatment and then they responded graciously to the harsh treatment. They, they were rejoicing that because they obeyed God, not man, that they experienced persecution. And then what do they do? They, they preach Jesus more than ever. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And so when we think about civil disobedience, it's when it's clearly, not a gray area, but clearly that, that I have a choice. Am I gonna obey God or am I gonna obey man? We, we don't do this casually, only when clear. It's unwise in gray areas. We do this as peacefully and respectfully as possible. Martin Luther King Jr. in his, in his letters from a Birmingham jail explained how, how they tried to obey as many laws as they could possibly obey and then when they disobeyed, they disobeyed as peacefully and respectfully as they could. We do this accepting the consequences. Here's the last point and we're done. As American Christians, we have more than one way to change the government. See, as Americans, we all know that when we don't like the government, we, we, can, we can engage the political process and we can vote. 
And, and, and we should absolutely do that. We should absolutely engage in that. But we're not left with just the one way. We, 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 I believe there's two things we can do that are equally, if not more, powerful than that. See, we, we can vote, but then we're commanded to pray. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. I mean, this was a terrible government that was going to be brutal to the Christians. He says, pray for them. He says, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. What if, get this, what if you prayed for the government as much as you complained about it? What if every Christian prayed for the government? I know I don't pray for the government enough. What if every time, what if you did this? What if every time you caught yourself, and I, this is, can be something you can do with your, in your family. You can shame your family. Um, it's one of the top 10 reasons to be in a family, the family shame. It's, uh, but what if every time you caught yourself or a family member complaining about a city council person, a mayor, a governor, a state legislator, a national congressperson or senator or the president? What if every time, governor, any of those things, what if every time you caught yourself complaining, you just stopped and just turned it into a prayer? Well, what, if, what, if, what if every Christian, instead of going on Facebook with all their, their hot opinions, and thank God I got off of that thing in January. It was making me crazy. It's like it has about half of y'all. It's, uh, laugh with me, folks. It'll feel better. And so, uh, um, but what if instead of complaining, we prayed and said, God, I, 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 this, this, there's this politician that I really disagree with. And, 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 or maybe you agree with them. Either way, pray either way. And you say, God, I pray that they would have a greater sense of the knowledge of you than they've ever had in their lives. And God, I pray that they would have a greater sense of how much you love them than they've ever had in their lives. God, and I pray that if they don't already know you as their Lord and master and boss and savior, God, I pray that you would save them. God, I pray that they would have encounters with Christians that are sane and kind and loving and that people would say that they would be drawn to you through us. And God, I pray that you would give them wisdom, the wisdom that only you can give them. And now listen, you're praying this and in your heart you might be thinking, because it's obvious they've got zero. You might be thinking some of that. But you don't have to tell all your friends that. You don't have to say that out loud. You say, God, would you give them wisdom from you? What if, I, I'm, here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident for the last 20 years or 40 years or 200 years, if Christians in America had prayed for their leaders as much as we've complained about them, I think we'd live in a better place. So as Christians, we have more than one way to change the government. We can vote, and we should. Engage the political process, and we should. We're commanded to pray. You know the best thing about living in a democracy? Best and worst, I guess. A government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people is if you want to change the government, what do you change? 
Not very smart today. It's the people. So we engage, we have the ability to change government through our, our engaging the political process, through our prayers, and, and, and through changing hearts. If the government's of the people, by the people, and for the people, the way to change the government is to change the people. So that's why I love when Paul is writing into, to Timothy, and he says, hey, tell everyone, pray for the kings, pray for the leaders, pray for the governors. But then he takes it back to the biggest issue. He says this in verse three, the next little verse. He says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, what? Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, the key to changing this nation and its government is changing people. Not with, not, not with politics as the goal, but spiritually. People being changed by Jesus on the inside. And, and so if we see thousands and thousands and millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people really coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, then those people are changed. And then because it's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, all that government stuff ultimately follows. There's a preacher wittier than me that said, our hope is not in the donkey or the elephant. Our hope is in the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. So as Christians, Peter's saying, hey, listen, live lives in such a way that it makes the gospel more credible. And here's the first chance you can do it. It's how you relate to the government and politics. As you do it, you recognize that that we are aliens, strangers, and exiles. And so that we're here, but something we see from the Old Testament exile story of the people of Israel is that when they were exiles in Babylon, God says, hey, while you're there, he says, hey, work for the shalom, the, the the, the, the prosperity of the place you're at. Even though it's not your forever home, while you're there, work for it to be as good as it possibly can be. But remember, this is not your forever home, that you're citizens of another kingdom with another king. As I was preparing this message this week, the irony was not lost on me um, that, um, you know, I've preached passages like this before as, as, I've, as they've come up, but they've never come up in a time as strange as this one. In a time where technically there's been uh, you know, churches like ours that are, are not 100% um, complying with some government stuff. And it made me just want to skip over this whole passage. It made me kind of want to do what Thomas Jefferson did and just write my own Bible that I agree with. And so uh, let me read you a little statement I wrote about that. And then I'll pray for you. Preparing this week's message has made me think deeply about my personal and our church's response to some of the pandemic mandates over the last 18 months. These are complex times to try to live this out. And I'm fairly certain that I personally have not done that perfectly at all times. And on the church side, we as a leadership team have struggled with some of this a lot. And as a church, we've done our best, though imperfectly, seeking to balance submitting to and honoring the government, caring for the physical health of our community, meeting the people of our church where they are at with their diverse perspectives, and that our role is not to be the mask police, and our belief that a great many more people are in very grave spiritual, emotional, and relational danger in this season than are in grave physical danger 
though indeed there are physical dangers. With this in mind, we continue to encourage all of us to continue to seek to honor the government, and at the same time, let's lavish grace, love, and understanding on everyone in these complex times. Let me pray for you. So Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would help us. Lord, because we can't do it on our own. God, that yet help us. Lord, to submit and obey the government even when we don't like them. God, to honor the government even when we disagree. God, that we'd be motivated by this higher motivation that really we're submitting to you. God, I pray that you'd help us to know the moments, rare as they might be, where the law of man is clearly in contradiction to the clear, your clear commands in our lives. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us. God, I pray that we wouldn't be like everybody else in this nation that has so just embraced such harsh, divisive, dishonoring rancor. But God, that when we disagree, we do it respectfully. Lord, when we disagree, that there would just, that, that even in the midst of the disagreement, that, that, that the love that you have placed inside of us would just be overwhelming and so clear, the difference you've made in our lives. So God, as we approach these things, I pray that, that, that people would see the way we do it and the difference you've made in our lives would be obvious, obvious enough for them to slow down and say, maybe there is something to this whole Jesus thing. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.